There we go. Okay. Hey, we made it happen. <clears throat> um, good. Good to get to be with you guys this morning. Good to get to bring the word. Uh, the kids have a little, yeah, activity book that Chipper mentioned. We're going to talk a lot about sheep and shepherding this morning. So if you don't find anything in there that strikes your fancy, you can draw your best sheep. And I would love to see your pictures of sheep. Adults, you can do this too. You know, I'd love to see your work. Really, the gift for you is that this morning's message will be shorter than normal. So, Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, we are finishing our series, our Advent series uh, this morning that's been looking at various redemptive biblical uh, scenes that involve mountains in the Old Testament. So, we're concluding this morning in Ezekiel 34. It's a little bit of a longer passage, um, but I think rich with with imagery and rich with uh, principles for us to apply to our lives this morning. So if you uh, have your Bibles, you can open those and follow along as we read. It'll also be up here on the screen. Uh, And if you wouldn't mind, if you're physically able to stand, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Ezekiel 34, beginning in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fats, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered, they wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely, because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd, and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep, therefore, you shepherds, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep uh, that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep, and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the, the countries and will bring them into their own land. 
and I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the ravines, and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture, and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. They shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. As for you, my flock, thus says the Lord God, behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the rest of your pasture and to drink of clear water that you must muddy the rest of the water with your feet? And must my sheep eat what you have trodden with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, thus says the Lord God to them, Behold, I, I myself, will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you push with side and shoulder and thrust at all the weak with your horns till you have scattered them abroad, I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be a prey, and I will judge between sheep and sheep, and I will set up over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord, and I have spoken. Let's pray. Father, give us ears to hear this morning. Help us to hear this difficult and yet beautiful message of both the, the failure of humanity and the extraordinary grace of you, our God. Thank you that you care for us. I pray, may we see that, may we experience that, may we taste that this morning. I pray your Holy Spirit would be at work in our hearts, helping us to, to realize that, maybe discover it, perhaps for the first time, or in a, in a new and fresh way this morning. Lord, would you minister to our souls through your word and by your spirit, we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> in... Uh, 2012, Mitch Modell, the CEO of a then more than 100-year-old uh, family-owned sporting goods chain that was in the Northeast, disguised himself as an entry-level employee in order to kind of learn about how the business was doing, learn about the culture, learn about the practices, try to discover some of the, the problems in the culture and see how it could improve. And so during his his orientation as a new employee, he got to know the young associate, Angel. She was warm, she was caring, she was professional. She did an excellent job. Uh, 
But as, as they were interacting throughout the day, she, she got candid with him and, and revealed that uh, to this you know, seemingly new trainee that she was without a home, that she had been without a home for uh, nearly two years, and that she was currently living in a shelter with her and her small children. And so this just brought tears to his eyes to realize that one of his employees was, was living with this and yet showing up every day and doing such an amazing job. But even more than that, she took time to encourage him. You know, this new employee who his backstory was he had lost his pizzeria business and, you know, he's wanting to move into something new. She took time to encourage him to keep going, to persevere, to not lose hope, to keep working hard, to keep showing up, and to trust that things will get better. Later on, when Mr. Modell uh, had her come to his office and revealed to her that he was, in fact, the CEO of the business, he praised her for her outstanding work, uh, but even more than that, for her compassion and for her care. And in addition to giving her a promotion, much deserved, and a raise, through tears and through a, a tearful embrace, he said that he wanted to personally provide the funds to purchase a home for her so that she and her children would have a place to go home to that evening. His experience of, of humbling himself, of being teachable, of wanting to learn on the ground level about this, this you know, hundred or more store business, uh, not only transformed him and his management, but it forever changed the life of this employee. And there's perhaps nothing more beautiful than the care of another in need. Someone vulnerable, someone endangered, someone displaced, someone distressed. The prophet Ezekiel was familiar with displacement and distress. Along with a wave of fellow kinsmen, Ezekiel was carried off from Judah to Babylon, most likely in 597 BC, where he spent the rest of his life in exile in a foreign land. He was called by God as a prophet there, where he was charged with declaring the judgments of God that were coming on his people and the surrounding nations. But it wasn't only his message that was severe, so were some of his methods. If you're familiar with the book, you'll know. Uh, Ezekiel got to do some pretty unusual things. Perhaps the most extreme example of that was he had to build a model of the city of Jerusalem besieged by an invading army and lay on his side for over a year to lay on the same side to symbolize the years of rebellion and sin that the Israelites had, had committed against God. And all the while, eating food that was cooked over excrement. God also told Ezekiel that he was going to experience periods of muteness where he was not going to be able to speak. And perhaps most devastating, around 10 years into his exile, he was told that his wife would die unexpectedly. Could you imagine 
a ministry conference hosted by Ezekiel. He is one who perhaps as much as any other in Scripture has borne witness with his life and his ministry, those great words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Though before Christ's coming, of course, the principle remains the same. A life of following God is a life of sacrifice. Ezekiel was familiar with distress. But he didn't only know it personally in his own life. He addressed the prevailing, the prevailing societal distress prophetically in his work. A central theme of Ezekiel's ministry was identifying the reasons for which Israel was in exile. They were in exile because of their idolatry, their false worship, the, the rampant wickedness that had come about because of this. But they were also in exile because of the egregious injustice that was perpetuated by the hands of their leaders. And here in chapter 34 of Ezekiel especially, he expresses God's fury at that injustice. He uses the metaphor of a shepherd, a common image for political rulers of the day, to highlight the failures of the Judean leaders. Like a shepherd, the kings of Israel and Judah were to be stewards of God's people. They were to watch over the flock. They were to protect them from the external threats as well as their own potential self-harm that sheep are prone to. They were responsible to provide for the needs of the flock, leading them to shelter, to food, to water, to tend to the sick and bind up the wounded, to clean them, to, to shear them, to help them in whatever way was necessary. They were to guide the flock, knowing their needs, earning their trust, using their authority to lead them to places of flourishing and help and safety. As a shepherd was to care for a flock, the kings of Israel and Judah were to care for the people of God. But they didn't. They didn't. Instead, the leaders exploited the people. They used their positions of power and influence to enrich themselves. They made sure they were well fed, that they were well provided for, that they were well attended to, but they didn't attend to the needs of their people. And in fact, the means by which they enriched themselves was the sacrifice of the sheep. You notice he talks about the fat of the, the milk, the, the wool off their backs, the meat from their very bones. These leaders stole from the flock that they were entrusted to protect. The leaders neglected their people. He says, the weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, and the lost you have not sought. The leaders didn't care for their people. They neglected the weak, the sick, the injured, the strayed, and the lost. They were content to let their people languish while they feasted off their products. And the leaders abused their people. He says, with force and harshness, you have ruled them. 
Tim Laniak is an Old Testament professor at Gordon-Conwell, and he spent some time uh, in Jordan, I believe, traveling with Bedouin uh, shepherds to kind of understand more the modern-day life of shepherding. And he writes that uh, neglecting, neglect in shepherding is tantamount to abuse. Without due diligence to care for the sick and the healthy, a flock is quickly decimated. The details in this account convey how extreme the abuse had come. The word translated brutally is only found in the context of Egyptian slavery in the Old Testament. The leaders, the kings of Judah that were supposed to care for their flock were treating them as poorly as their Egyptian slave masters. This exploitation, this neglect, this abuse left the people of God in atrocious conditions. They were functionally rendered leaderless. They were like sheep without a shepherd, wandering around trying to scratch out whatever existence they could. They were left exposed to every threat imaginable. Of course, exposed to the predators like spiritual predators of false gods, but also the physical predators like invading armies that literally destroyed their cities and carried them off into exile. And so because of that, they were scattered far from their homeland. They were untethered from their history, their culture, their rhythms of worship and places of worship and sacrifice. They were like sheep who have lost their way and have no way to get back. They were left to assimilate into an imperialist Babylonian culture where with the passage of time and the intermingling of people groups and the practices from around the Mediterranean, their distinctive beliefs would slowly disappear. They were leaderless. They were exposed. They were scattered. They were lost. They were abandoned. There's perhaps no greater evil than the willful abuse and neglect and abandonment of someone entrusted to another's care. And that's what the leaders of Israel did through their deliberate, persistent neglect of their responsibilities to the people of God. Perhaps, this is heavy, but perhaps there are ways that you can relate to this experience. Like the experience of trauma, neglect, abuse, abandonment from those who were supposed to care for you. Or the experience of being leaderless, of being desperate for guidance, for direction, for clarity, but feeling you have nowhere to turn. The experience of being scattered, being displaced, uprooted from your community, suffering from profound loneliness. You know, I'm convinced that generations after us will look back at this period as a, as a time of digital scattering. Seeing a people who perceive themselves to be connected yet are desperately lonely. Or the experience of being lost, detached from meaning, disillusioned by life. A feeling that 
the institutions of authority or the epistemic framework on which you depend have seemingly crumbled around you. Perhaps you've personally experienced the failure of a leader, a hero, a mentor that you looked up to, someone who you leaned on for confidence and assurance who was later revealed to be a fraud. Along with the exiled Israelites, we feel the brokenness that is caused by sinful self-interest. We see it throughout the world. We feel it in our bones. And sometimes it's the self-interest of others. Sometimes it's our own. Yet in the darkness, in the bleakness of these conditions, a ray of hope shines through. The hope of deliverance. God says here that he is fed up with the infidelity, with the unfaithfulness of these leaders. He promises that he's going to depose them, that he's going to judge them along with the other people of influence in the society who have bullied and perpetuated this injustice against their brothers. And in their place, God promises his people a new shepherd himself. He says, behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered. God himself promises to seek out the scattered, to find the lost, to gather them together, and to bring them home. He promises to lead them to the mountains of Israel, the heart of the promised land, where they will find refuge and nourishment and peace. He will feed them. He will provide for them. He will watch over them. He will protect them. He will bring them to pasture, and they will graze on the very heights of the mountains and find drink in the depths of the ravines. He promises to care tenderly for their needs. He says, I will seek the lost. I will bring back the strayed. I will bind up the injured. I will strengthen the weak. He, their sovereign maker, will not only see their wounds, not only see their injuries, not only see their pain, he will mend them. He will hold them up. He will help them recover. He will lead them into new life. And all of this is fulfilled by him being the shepherd himself, by him stooping down to tend to his flock. In the uh, 2019 short film, feeling uh, through, which is based loosely on the uh, true experience by the director. Uh, Tariq, a homeless teen in New York City, encounters a middle-aged man named Artie, who is looking for some help to find his way home late at night. And Artie's standing on the, the street corner, just holding up a sign that says, hello, I am blind and deaf if you can help me tap my shoulder. And you can see this, this feeling of conflictedness on Tariq's face. 
who wants to help out, but he also has his own needs. He himself is homeless. He's trying to find a friend to stay with for the night. He's getting rejected as he's reaching out to his friends. They're saying, again, you need another place to stay again. So you can see the, the despair on his face. But he selflessly gives that up in order to help Artie get home safely. He helps him get to a, a convenience store. He, he guides him to his stop. He sits with him while they wait for the bus. And then he advocates for him to the disinterested bus driver. And in the end, you see the profound impact that this has not only on th this, that this young man's selflessness had, uh, not only on those in need around him, but on himself as well. You know, at Advent, we remember and we celebrate the fulfillment of this promise that God would rescue his people and lead them home. For God did bring his people out of exile, and he provided for their needs. But there was still yet a greater fulfillment to come. There was one who would come, a shepherd and a servant in the line of David, who would rule over them, not as the kings of late had, but with a covenant of peace. He was a Messiah, a Savior. And 600 years after Ezekiel penned this prophecy, that Messiah was born, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He came not in pomp and recognition, but in the humility of a manger. He did not grow up in wealth or status, but in a simple home in a rural village in a first century Middle East country. He did not come seeking his own interests, but instead looking to the interests of others. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as he traveled throughout cities and villages, he proclaimed the gospel of the kingdom of God. He healed diseases and afflictions. And as the crowds flocked to him, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He came as the good shepherd who knows and cares for his people and who lays down his life for his sheep. Ultimately, he came to lead us into peace with God by giving up his own life as the sacrifice to cover our sins. He was both the shepherd of our souls and the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And as John declares in Revelation, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Whatever your pain, whatever your loss, whatever your heartache, please know that Jesus cares for you deeply. He wants to bind up your wounds if you will come to him. In the darkness and loneliness, he's with you, watching over you as a good shepherd. In the midst of threats or danger, 
He's standing guard over you, protecting you from the wolves that would devour your soul. If you feel scattered, adrift, aimless, he is seeking you out, and he wants to bring you home to graze and find pasture on the heights of the mountains. There's nothing more beautiful than the care of another in need. And praise God that God, our shepherd, cares for us in our place of need. Amen.